welcome to another special episode of the Family Based Podcast. My name is Jake, and this is Fitz. Do you mind if I call you Fitz, or is it Michael? Yeah, no, of course. That's what most of my friends call me, and yeah. I think it's abnormal nowadays, like when when I hear a friend or a buddy call me anything other than that. It's usually my family either calls me Michael or Fitz, so... Well, yeah, I mean, in their professional setting, I feel like yeah. Michael has to be. But either way, so as we talked about before the podcast started, we never really got a chance to talk like one-on-one growing up, but you were a friend of the family, so we obviously knew each other that way, and we're both Cubs fans, so it just kind of became obvious that this could be an easy conversation. <clears throat> so thank you for doing it. Thanks for having me. And uh, if you, Fitz, if you don't mind, would you like to intro yourself a little bit? Tell tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, my name is Michael Fitzpatrick or Fitz. Um, Grew up in in Homewood. Uh, How, you know, our paths crossed, as you mentioned, um, your cousins, uh, Ben and Dan, uh, were close friends with a buddy of mine growing up, Dave McNeil. And so uh, I connected with Ben and, and Dan a little bit later in life. I want to say around late high school and to college. Um, and so, you know, we get, had all those summer games playing baseball together. Uh, and right. that's how, you know, we, we came to know one another. Um, grew up in Homewood uh, my entire life. Uh, went to the University of Illinois Springfield. Uh, there is a Springfield campus. Most people don't know that. It's teeny tiny. Uh, there was a class of 110 freshmen. So mm. going to HF, where I think I had like 600 or 700 kids we yeah. graduated with, it was a bit of a culture shock, um, but it was a great experience going away to, to school, you know, growing on your own, you know, learning to, to live by yourself. Um, since then, I, I work in human resources, I work at the University of Chicago, Um have a wife of five years and big Cubs fans. Uh, interestingly enough, she was a dancer throughout her entire life. So when we first met each other, she was not big into sports. Um, mm. I've since converted her. Uh, she loves uh, football now. Uh, she actually reminds me every year now. She's like, you have to turn on the red zone package for, for football. <laughs> so mm. uh, it's interesting, nice. you know, how life changes in that way. Um, in terms of, you know, about me, I have uh, a four-year-old golden retriever named Griffey uh, after Ken Griffey Jr., who, of course, was my my favorite baseball fan or uh, player. Uh, We had a 10-year-old golden we we put down a couple weeks ago. His name was Rudy, and I share this because it's a pretty funny story. So living in New Lenox now, I did not know this, but the Rudiger family, if you're a Notre Dame fan, uh, they went to Providence Catholic. and. They actually lived down the, the block. So when I, I named Rudy, um, I wanted to pick the dog's name after something that was playful. And I wouldn't look like a fool if I was yelling it down the street looking right. for the dog. And so Rudy came to mind. And so a couple of years back, I was you know taking the dog for, for a walk. And one of my neighbors said, oh, you must be a huge Notre Dame fan. Like, ah, have yeah. you told the Rudiger family? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm not a Notre Dame fan. And they were like, yeah, the Rudiger family actually lives... That, that's their house right on the corner. So interestingly enough, they live on our block. So wow. I tell that story uh, to people like it's just a coincidence, but they're a nice family and uh, it's good to see that, you know, they're living in, in the area. Um, 
outside of that, I, as I'm getting a little bit older, I still like to play sports as much as possible. We did a lot more recreational leagues when I was a little bit younger, starting to catch up with me a little bit, uh, but trying to stay as active as much as possible. And yeah, that's, that's a quick uh, overview of me. Yeah. I mean, again, more than I knew. So that's great. Yeah. It's good to know. Um, so not a big Notre Dame fan, as you've said, but you're a big, obviously, Cubs fan. Yes. How did you be- how did you become a Cubs fan? If you think back, like what was the thing, or was there a person? How did you become a Cubs fan? Yeah, you know, I think some of it gets ingrained in you. Like for me, that's at least how it happened. My family, particularly on my mom's side, was always a big uh, baseball house. My grandfather loved the Cubs. He'd watch the Cubs every single day. Um, he was watching me when I was at an early age. And I, I remember vaguely, you know, when you're that young, you, you remember bits and pieces. So I remember going to a game with him. Um, but when he'd watch me, he'd always have Cubs on the TV. I mean, it was on WGN. It was the easiest uh, baseball team to watch. It was national. And he was a huge Cubs fan. Uh, my aunt had a very close relationship with him as well. So she was a big Cubs fan and, you know, I was uh, her god godson. And so, you know, we've had that bond uh, ever since. My grandfather passed away at an at a early age for, for me. I was about four or five. Um, but I think that that's part of what instilled, you know, me being a Cubs fan is, you know, watching the games with him at an early age. Um, my mom's side so ingrained in the Cubs. And then, at the time growing up, it was around when Ryan Sandberg and uh, Mark Grace were, were big. And I remember, you know, as many people in, I think, the 80s and early 90s, uh, Ryan Sandberg was, was the guy. And so he was always my favorite Cub. Uh, and my aunt would always refer to him as the golden boy uh, because, you know, he could do no wrong in, in the Cubs' right. eyes. And I think they still hold him in that regard. Uh but that's pretty much how I became a Cubs fan. And it's interesting because, you know, growing up on the South side, and I'm sure you're the same, same way, you know, Southwest suburbs, I should say, yeah. it, it's not the norm to be a, a Cubs fan. Um, I had a lot more fan uh, friends that were Sox fans. And in the early mid nineties, I mean, the Sox were a fun and great team to watch. So uh, I was never one of those where I was spiteful of, of the Sox. I think it was a little jealous, you know, they had Frank Thomas and Jack McDowell and, and all of those guys. And, you know, we had our, our favorites, you know, Sammy Sosa and all of them, but we were never uh, quite as competitive or to that point where we were competing like they were. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could say the history of the Cubs has not produced a lot of winning seasons. So yeah. um kind of fits most Cubs fans. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, growing up on the south side of Chicago, I think people just assume uh, if you don't know anything about baseball, you just assume that there's Cubs fans like surround the city. At least where I when I went to college, most people just assumed that you were a Cubs fan because that's the team they knew. But if yeah. you know Chicago South, if you are even well, I would argue if you even live in the city of Chicago and South, it's all White Sox fans. And uh 
I mean, my cousins, as you said, were White Sox fans. So we had like kind of contrarian, like rivalry. Um, but uh, was that when you became aware that there was that kind of rivalry, contrarian nature of being a, a fan of the Cubs? Did that? Did you ever consider watching switching over to the White Sox? Was that not really something you consciously thought of? Uh, I can't say I ever consciously thought of it. Um, you know, I, I had some Sox players that I, I really liked watching. I mean, I think that anybody in, in the 90s loved watching Frank Thomas. I mean, he was an amazing player and Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, but they just didn't pull at me. and I didn't gravitate towards them like I did with the Cubs. And I think that there was also something that allured me to the Cubs because of their struggles. Like you wanted to be part of that, to see them mm. finally break that, you know, if you believe in curses, the curse or get become destined to, to win a championship finally. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that there was ever that chance of converting per se. I, I think that maybe I was not as into watching them um, as I mm. became older. Um but the rivalry, it didn't really resonate with me until I would say about the age where you start to get into like little league and, and where sports becomes more prevalent and you hear your yeah. friends being like, Hey, I'm a Sox fan. And you know, the Cubs are bad. And at that time they didn't have interleague play. So it wasn't like there truly was a rivalry unless they saw each other in the world series. Yeah, that's true. Um, I do. I don't. So again, I'm just going to confess. So I don't know. What do you know? The year that the White Sox started playing the Cubs in interleague play, do you remember that? Not entirely. I want to say. I want to say interleague was prop was after '98. I I don't know why that that number sticks out to me. I want to say they started out with like very few interleague games, and yeah. then it became more than that. Maybe even like the early 2000s, because I, I remember like. They started uh, that that whole crosstown classic like cup and championship. Um, yeah, but I don't know the exact year because I yeah, think that I mean, also speaks to it. Like I was never into like a rivalry with them. Like they're just another team in Chicago. And you you are right. Like when I went to University of Illinois Springfield, when I went down there, like south of I eighty they act as if the only team that exists really is the Cubs. Like, oh, you're a Cubs fan. Whereas, like, where right. we grew up, it was, you're a Sox fan, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it was it was odd that you would root for, especially root for a team that hadn't won in so long. The uh, people found that a little odd. But I kind of skipped over this, <laughs> this question I wanted to ask, but... So, was that you mentioned uh, possibly going to a game, seeing the Cubs like on TV? Was seeing the Cubs on TV your earliest memory of the Cubs in general? Um, I remember like like pieces of, of games um, with my grandfather, but it. I would say I, I probably remember. I remember definitively one game. I was probably seven or eight years old and I went with my aunt and uh, it was 
around, I think I was seven or eight. It was around the time they had a, this giveaway where all of the Cubs players, you know, sign, hand signed the ball. Like, I don't think you ever see that nowadays. Um, and I know that because, you know, as a little kid, you know, you're playing with it. You don't quite uh, appreciate it as much. And I smudged the ball. And now, like, older me is like, oh, what were you doing? But it had, like, Mark Grace on there, Sammy Sosa, Ryan Sandberg. So I would say I had to have been about seven or eight because um, yeah. I was born in 84. So that would have put it at about, like, 92 if I was eight years old. So that kind of, I think, aligns with, with that group. Um, and I remember that one distinctly. I think that that sticks out to me the most, like, sitting on third baseline, you know, deep, um, not quite where you you have the obstructed view, but like beneath the overhang. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, whenever I do ask people that question, usually it's centered around uh, family members, either taking them to a game or watching a game on, on TV and I, I find that really interesting is that that kind of bonding of that relationship and that memories kind of sticks out because on my end, my earliest memories, it's kind of fuzzy. So it's, I wouldn't target it as that. But the earliest memory has to do with like family, going to a game and having great seats. But for some reason, family always tends to pop up in that. And I, I mean, that's obviously really important. You said your aunt is a, was is uh, a big fan, so that doesn't shock me that that there's that connection there. So I think that's cool. Um, I do want to ask you because a Cubs fan, I feel like most people want to ask this question or just assume it's like besides 2016, mm-hmm. every year is a bad year. And uh, every year is equally as, as rough. But to be honest, when I look at being a Cubs fan, there are particular memories that are the hardest. When you look back at being a Cubs fan, you know, for, for uh, your, your life, what is the hardest uh, memory moment time being a fan? What do you think sticks out? So it's it's cliche to say, but that 2003 team, um, Uh and not and not because of you know like people say the Bartman. I I had a totally different view on that, but that was my first year down at University of of Illinois Springfield. It was very much so Cardinal Nation, and um, they were just looking for us to collapse, and so. It was hard being in that atmosphere and, you know, like when it was raw and the motions happened of, you know, they collapsed in that game and lose going nuts in, in right field and I'm sorry, left field. And you just felt like it's sink. And then I had all these people that I was friends with being like, oh, the Cubs sting. And so that was like our, our moment, like the, the most success we've ever seen is Cubs fans. And then for it to like go away in a snap. And I think, you all knew or everybody knew, or maybe I'm just like a glass half full kind of person, but I felt that was the telling sign. Like I was not as optimistic going into that next game because no. it just felt like everything deflated and being that yeah. close and having that much momentum going, that was like the most painful, like even the, the bad seasons where, you know, they're in last place and, you know, you could even say like with well, the struggles they're going through now or back in yeah. 2012 like I expected that, like that 2003 year, like 
they were primed to do that. They shocked us within a yeah. lot of ways. It seemed magical and it just broke your heart. Yeah. No, again, I, I'm trying, maybe it's not obvious. I'm trying to not interject my stories. So uh, for, let me just share one, just because you brought that up is that uh, when I was watching, I was watching in my living room and my dad turns to me and says that, that I will never forget what he says to me. And this is when they're still winning. And later, I think it was like, so when when uh, Pryor, Mark Pryor was still pitching, there was a foul ball um, or like a, a time, like almost like, 23rd seconds in between this pitch and then the Bartman play. My dad turns to me during that pause and he says, Jake, don't forget this moment. And then that happens. I'm like, oh, I will never forget this moment. Thank you for saying it. He, he meant it as positive. Yeah. Like, don't forget this. It's going to be crazy. But no, I will never forget that. Um, so, I would, yeah, I would agree on that. So, uh, but <clears throat> was your growing up? Was your favorite player in those early two thousands, or was it in the nineties? Uh, Who was that favorite player of yours growing up? You know, it was all. I think it was because my first memory, like my first player, favorite player, I could say. Um, was Ryan Sandberg. Like he was one of the best Cubs players at that time. Um, you know, before we, we got on the call here today, uh, I was sharing with you like how my aunt said he was the golden boy and she'd always joke. Yeah. Like she, she didn't particularly like Sandberg as much because she thought like he was too clean cut and you know, the mm. golden boy she'd refer to him as, but um, yeah, he was my favorite player. And, you know, as time went on, I would say in the, in the early two thousands, it was tough. Like I didn't have that player that really just I was drawn to, or maybe mm. in the nineties, you just didn't have that many players that you had a connection with. But right. I would say, you know, Kerry Wood, Wood, I've always been very fond of. He had a long tenure with, with the Cubs. Um, I, I think I was going that direction as everybody was with Mark Pryor. And then, you know, all the injuries happened and the career got derailed. Um, I always, for some reason, especially with that 2003 team, I liked Kenny Lofton. I mean, I liked mm. Kenny Lofton back when he played um, with the, the Indians at the time, now the, the Guardians. Um, I believe he was with the Braves for a while. Um, he was a great addition, um, and I remember yeah. their high fives in the, the outfield in that year. So maybe not so much of a, a huge name, um, uh, but he was one of my favorite. I remember, you know, being into the the 98 race with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Um, The home run was fun to watch. I I was never a huge Sammy Sosa fan, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I think he doesn't get enough credit nowadays. Like he got a a really bad rap. And I think part of it is he just didn't ever come clean, uh, you know, with his his involvement with it. Um, But yeah, those were some of my favorites. Alleged. 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 Yes. Gotta say (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you don't, but let's give him some benefit of the doubt. Um, but as you've, as you've mentioned some names and you think about the Cubs team now, um, 
maybe there's not a certain player that sticks out, but if you have to choose a player on the team right now that people can turn on the TV or stream it or whatever, um, who would you say is your favorite player to watch right now on the Cubs? Yeah, so up until, you know, before the, the sell-off of all the players, I would have easily told you Rizzo. I mean, it was clear he was the captain of the team. Uh, you know, I loved his story, everything he'd gone through in life and how he battled back. Um and I'm still very fond of him because he's not part of the team now. You know, I did. I, I do like um, Nico Horner. I think he's still, mm. you know, up and coming. He's shown a lot of flashes. Um, I like Wilson Contreras. It's fire. Hopefully, they're able to keep him. Um, Maybe we'll see about that. Uh, and I'd say Kyle Hendricks. Um, but it's hard. Like I'm in that moment too, where I don't want to get too fond of them because it's becoming more of a reality that they, they could be gone. And I think that that's part of the big challenge too. Like in the nineties, you, it was easier to like latch on to that favorite player of yours. Cause they tended to stay with teams and have like more longevity. Whereas now players tend to bounce around from team to team. And if you're a, a diehard fan, like I would classify myself it's really hard to be like a, a huge fan of that player when they're not on your team. Um, aside from Ken Griffey Jr., which I made special. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. At least for yeah. me. Yeah. You know, um, I think it, it can be hard to attach a player, uh, your favorite, kind of your heart to a player. Uh, not only because they leave in free agency, but then – you know they have scandals, and they have their their humanness comes out, and like a like an Addison Russell, like a rising star, short, starter short, at shortstop, hitting huge home runs, and then the next year he's not even really on the team. Yeah. So there's that. Um, so I unfortunately and fortunately we're finding out a lot. Of stuff, um, so we can kind of discern who we can latch ourselves onto. But I'm, um, uh, yeah, I understand that point, uh, especially for this current Cubs team. You may want to wait a year or two before you latch on. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned Nico Horner, and it's funny you mentioned him because on the podcast we've been having this conversation. You could say debate, fight. I don't know about Nico Horner, and as he said, he's shown flashes of greatest. I mean, you can say flashes of just being solid or greatness, either one. But going forward, Nico Horner's future seems kind of in in the kind of weight the shaky because yeah, in this offseason, they may want to sign a big free agent shortstop and do you move Nico Horner over to second base? What do you really do? Um, in your opinion, you said you like him. Do you keep Nico at short, or do you really just kind of push Nico over and go to the offseason looking for shortstop? I think it depends on what the, the market offers. I mean, if you can get that huge superstar shortstop, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's shown that he can be at a second base um in, in a viable and actually a very good second baseman, in my opinion, he doesn't have to be at shortstop. And I kind of see him as 
almost like we used as uh, Javi Baez. You know, we didn't always have Javi Baez at, at shortstop. Um, you know, prior to the Addison Russell scandal, he was playing second base, and then we, you know, shifted him over. So I think it depends on any, you know, what we can find in free agency. He's been a good stopgap in shortstop. I don't know if that's his natural position. I guess we'll we'll see. Um, he's still very young and early, but he's been, you know, that he's been a young, solid player in in some instances, and I think that that's where I've been more inclined to watch him and like like to see the progression he does or doesn't make um because you know there's been so much turnover uh in the past couple of years yeah sure if you were the gm though so if you're like jed hoyer gonna uh, trying to search for agency or search your farm system what what would you do uh this off season would you uh go all in on a free agent, or would you be patient for possibly a year or two years and kind of wait to see if Nico Horner does develop? Do you go out and sign him, or do you kind of wait? What would you do? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I probably would wait another year. I don't think that they're at, like, we talked about this even before it started that is this similar to where they were? And I think it was like 2013 where, you know, 2013 was really bad. And then 2014, they started to really ramp up and then become the Cubs that we enjoyed for the last five, six years. I don't know if it's exactly the same. I see little bits that they're similar, but what I, I feel is truly missing is, and, and people argue that Contreras is, is a leader. I feel like they're really missing that personality on the team. Like, they don't have somebody like a John Lester who, you know, was able to, to set and build a culture or a Rizzo. And you have to have those foundational pieces um, to win a championship. I think that that's really undervalued. Now, that's not to say that, you know, only get somebody with that element. You, you have to have all the skills. Like I have a, a debate with uh, my brother-in-law all the time. Like he knocks Jason Hayward and, and you know, we've seen struggles with, with all the contract, but there's also yeah. something to, to be said that he was a great clubhouse presence and that arguably, you know, that speech helped them, you know, is it, was it worth the, however, hundreds of millions of dollars we paid? I don't know, right. but right. you do need to have those personalities. And I don't know if they have that on the team right now. So just kind of going off that, um, is there someone, or are you not sure that there's someone out there that they could sign that could be their presence? Or again, do you just wait for the development? Or like, because see, when I see the this offseason, especially shortstops, I feel like I want to ask you a question about like pitchers and whatnot. But if we just stick to shortstops, you can think of. Uh, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa, and Dansby Swanson. Now, I've made the push, maybe tonight, I've made the push to just settle for Dansby Swanson. Okay. De- defense and offense, he's having his best year. Defensively, he's the only one better defensively by metrics than Nico at shortstop. So, 
I'm not sure if you do that, but he's not the presence, like you say. He's not the yeah. veteran presence. Um, I just, I, yeah, I, I have that question of, is could Marcus Stroman be that guy? I don't think so. Um, no. I Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, everybody was really excited about Marcus, and I think what, and I, it was taken out of context, I, I'm sure, in some aspects, but, you know, when he talked, I think it was like a month or two after about, you know, already playing someplace else as a possibility. Like I want to hear somebody that's more confident, like, Hey, I'm going to be here for a while. Um, yeah. Especially because we did, we, we did spend a lot on him and we've seen that they, the, the um, management has a tendency if there is a good player and he ended up, you know, having an amazing year using him as a chip to uh, bring on some other type of talent. So that's why I was kind of like, I, I don't know if, if that if he's that guy for this next phase of whatever success or struggles they have. Yeah, you know, uh, again, I feel like on the on the podcast, I've been the most vocal critic of Tom Burgett's. Um, just it feels like every time he says something, I'm just like, we know that's not true. Stop lying to us. Like yeah. when he said, we're going to spend money again this offseason. Meaning last offseason they did, and they're going to again. I'm like, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember a huge signing, but, or multiple. Um, But yeah, I'm really interested to see what, what's, that move going forward, even though Tom Brickett has said all the moves going forward are Jets. I don't know if that's placing blame or kind of saying I'm not a part of it. Um, yeah. But I'm interested to see what they do um, moving forward. I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if they wait just because they're not going to spend money, um, to be honest. Yeah. And, and I think it'll be interesting. I will agree. Like I've been very critical too. Um, I, I feel like there's, there's a been a bit of a sham with it. You know, like I, I struggle with saying like, you're a huge diehard Cubs family. And what I feel like is when we've been close or we've had a opportunities to be uh, competitive, we've made either questionable decisions or like nickel and dime. Like I, I agree. Like the biggest name that I, I remember that we ever signed or splurged on was Jason Hayward. And that didn't play out as anybody had hoped it would. Um, great guy from everything, you know, I see and, and read, but yeah, um, yeah there, there's not the, the spending. Um, well, and- I mean, could you, could you ask the question of, is that the reason why they're not spending money is because the last time they did, they did get the production on the field, but off the field, sure. But on the field, you have some sort of PTSD, if you will, um, because it didn't pan out the way you thought. Could that be like a reason why? It, I mean, it could be, but you have to think about like all those other franchises that take gambles and like it doesn't pay off. Like I think you kind of like um, our buddy Dave McNeil always says, like shooters got to shoot. <laughs> so like you got to keep at it. And especially for a storied franchise like they have, it would be interesting to see. I don't know what the attendance numbers look like, but if the numbers are down, I could see them not spending. Um, 
especially just because it seems like it's more uh, revenue based right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess a counter argument to that would be maybe they will because they're realizing they're losing fans. Uh, but yeah, I, it's been frustrating. I share the same <laughs> opinions about it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I I get that feeling that there's uh, some tension with yeah. our regards. Um, but I do want to ask you, looking forward to the future of the Cup team, best case scenario, when is a Cubs fan can we see the Cubs in the playoffs again? Hmm. Best case. I think, I think the best case would be two years from now. Hmm. I think that that would be with like a meteoric rise like we saw with the, the that team in 2014 and 2015. Now, I don't think they have the same pieces um, that they did. The Those guys, you know, Schwarber and uh, Bryant and Russell, all of those were had a very high profile behind them. Um, I mean, we have a few, but our farm system is not not as touted as, as it was back then. Now, we, we also did a lot to acquire those. And I think that the league has gotten much more competitive when it comes to building the farm system and how you draft and, and use those draft picks. Um, so, yeah, I think two, two years would be aggressive, but maybe if they, they make the right moves and if people uh, can progress the, the way they want. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, another one of the conversations I've had, I've only had one other with the Cubs fan as we're now. And uh, he's a, a partial season ticket holder. It's our first year they all at. And uh, he and he watches a lot of the farm system and watches that like almost as much or more than the team. And uh, he's really high and high on a lot of the guys coming up. I just um, I'm curious to see. I mean, you get ten guys coming up out of the minors, maybe three or four maybe like have decent careers um so his optimistic view is next year and i'm like well i mean again jed hoyer did say this does remind him of the 2014 year which means next year would be 2015 when they made the playoffs so apparently they think it's next year but i'm kind of on the same boat um next year would be a great surprise yeah but but am i expecting it i mean not yet not yet yeah and, and i think the interesting like even if you had 10 great guys that came up next year i think part of what we fell trapped to you know with that team in the in the 2010s is you can't have them all come up all at once because then they're going to hit free agency so like you have to have this blend of some of the veterans that are going to piece it together for you for a couple of years some of the young guys so that the older guys can drop off so like there's a cycle to it otherwise you're going to know like you've got this window and then it, it's going to break up again yeah i mean to be to be fair i've never thought of it but that is a very valid point so I'm going to have to think about that a little bit more. Uh, I do want to ask you a question. 
not cups related. It's just in the news, so yeah. why not? So again, on the podcast, we've had this discussion about which is the bigger deal in this season of 2022. So right now, Aaron Judge has 57 home runs as we record. Could that more by the time it comes out, probably will. Uh, he has 57, and Albert Pujols has 697 career home runs. Which one do you think is a bigger deal in these in the history of the game for someone to hit 700 or possibly someone to break or to go over 61 with no allegations? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I think because we're so far beyond like people that have broken the you know season single season record uh, mark. For me, it's hitting that seven hundred uh, because you know going back to like allegations, Pools has relatively come out unscathed. I don't know of any major scandals that has linked him to it. So yeah. with that, like if you think about it. And if you're comparing, all right, well, Judge is doing it, you know, without any substances. And Pujols, to to what we know, did 700. I think 700 speaks to me more because there's longevity. Um, and especially, yeah. like, these last couple of weeks, like, he's he's been on a tear. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it's just, like, that last hurrah. Uh, I would love – I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Alex Rodriguez at all. I would love <laughs> to get beyond Alex Rodriguez. Uh, his number. I don't know if he's going to. I, I don't know where he's sitting at right now. Last oh, time, I, no, he he did so. Okay, he, so six ninety six is uh, a rod. So okay, when when this was happening, I even said I don't care if he hit seven hundred, just pass a rod. And I'm yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he is one. What he has one more than a rod, so he's okay. going to be fourth all time. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that that's 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 the one I would be more interested in because there's been so few of people that have done that, and it's interesting you brought bring up Judge because I actually had a conversation with a, a buddy that's a huge uh, Yankees fan and a Yankees fan to a fault, but I was telling him that you know regardless of how you feel about steroids or, or no steroids, the they've really blackballed Barry Bonds. And if you compare, this buddy was trying to compare Judge's season right now to Barry Bonds. And to me, I don't think that that year that Barry Bonds like went on a tear, anybody's ever going to touch. I mean, everybody was walking in, he was still hitting all of that. So for me, I I haven't been as drawn into the Judge story as I, I am, you know, Pujols finishing out the career, hitting, hitting 700 and wherever he ends. Yeah. You know, I I feel like I feel like everyone's had pools um, because we have some connection to his career <laughs> playing against him so much. Um, but uh, also, the guy is notoriously a good dude. Yeah, and I'm like, I I'm not. That's not saying Aaron Judge is a bad guy by any means, but. Having someone with longevity, enjoying it, being back, it's the story. To me, it's the story behind it. And also, it's easy to root for a guy that people like. Yeah. Like, for a, for a long time. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, anyway, 
not Cubs related, so let's get back to the Cubs for a second. Um, I w- actually two two last questions about the Cubs. So, is, is there a player? And again, it could be a Nico Horner, but one of the younger guys. Which one do you see as kind of being the a cornerstone piece that the Cubs will have to? Go back to. I know we're not trying to latch onto a player. Yeah. Get that. But who do you think is going to be that cornerstone for the next push, the Cubs? You know, from what I've read, I, I don't follow the farm systems much, but it, it seems like uh, this guy is having very similar to the path that, and I'm not going to put them, you know, you know, neck and neck, but with how they're being talked about, at least would be uh, Pete Crow Armstrong. And if he can actually develop the way everybody's talking about and continue on at the next level with the numbers he's putting up, I would say that he's going to be that next, you know, piece. I mean, Nico is is a great uh, shortstop, second base, wherever you want to put him. But the the what there's already discussions that we, we got the better end of that, that Mets deal. I mean, he was a highly rated prospect with the Mets. So, and maybe he's the, the person that changes it. Um, I think that that's going to be the interesting story to see. Yeah. I keep, I, I keep getting PCA. Every, every person I talk to has something positive to say, rightfully so. I don't think the Mets, so the Cubs traded for uh, Picker Armstrong as a part of that Javi Baez deal. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the Mets really saw him as a power hitter. No, and that, no. this this year he seems like he figured at least something out. So it's someone, and now he's in Double A, and uh, he's doing really well. Um, so again, everyone I've talked to it at least projects him to be there. So I gotta gotta believe that. Yeah. Um, so this is a hypothet- hypothetical question. So just go there for a second. Um, I've asked people this question, and it kind of ranges. Their answer ranges based on kind of a lot, but. We, again, on podcast, we've had this conversation a couple times now of if if your favorite sports team, let's just say it's the Cubs, because that's what we're doing right now, what would the Cubs have to do for you to either temporarily or full-time not be a Cubs fan? Oh. Yeah, is there something like, is there a kind of, a political thing? Is there a moral thing? Is there a kind of a a corruption? Yeah. So is there something that would, again, temporarily or full-blown like walk away from being a fan? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I've thought about that a lot too. And when they started to, to teeter with this, the whole uh, Cubs network, and, you know, making you pay for the subscription, that that's put a really bad taste in my mouth. And I, I feel like if they continue down, like doing those types of things where you're losing the, the casual fan, like number one, you're going to lose that fan base that you've had that's nationwide. And part of what I, I, I loved about the team um, 
one of the challenges I think that they really face is they seem to be these days very focused on revenue and what they're bringing in. And I know they spent a lot of money on that on that ballpark. But if you can't make it affordable to like a, a family or a casual fan, like that's going to be part of the, the turnoff. Like as a, an owner, yeah, I, I get it. You want to make it a business, but the Ricketts particularly sold us all on, we, you know, we're the added, a casual fan. We love them just like you do. If that's not lining up with what I'm seeing. Yeah. The uh, Tom Ricketts, I feel like when he his first press conference as uh, as the owner, he used the phrase or used the story of like, you know, I used to sit in the bleachers and I still like to sit and I'm like, how how much do the bleachers cost now? It's the same thing. Like, so I know as time goes on, you obviously have to like you pay more money. It's like going to be like a quarter or a dollar to go. I get that. But yeah, so the uh, affordability, but that would definitely stop you from going to a game. Would that like sort of issue stop you from supporting the team like from home? Well, it, I guess it depends. I mean, if, if they ever go to that model where you have to solely pay to watch their games, I mean, that that's going to take some of it away. I mean, it's going to make it harder for you to become a fan. Like you're going to have to put effort into watching them. And I think that's where those challenges come into play and where I would be like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Yeah. Cause like that, that's, it should be convenient to watch your, your team. It should not, you shouldn't have to figure out, I got to pay, you know, $10 extra a month for a streaming service. I mean, there's so many streaming services now we don't need an, another one. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. May, it, I think I'd have to be pressed to see, is it enough to make me, you know, give up that Cub fan card? I mean, that that's a big decision. And I think right now it's just a bad taste in my mouth. Where I'm like, oh, I, yeah. I hope I never come to that. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I, you know, I'm, I'm still learning that there are ways that you can stream, like the Cubs, like marquee network, I'm still learning that there are ways that you can like stream it or ways you can find the app. It's not very accessible no. as of right now. Um, being in California now, I can watch it on MLB TV. So I'm like, I mean, I'm okay. But yeah, if you're close and you're building from around the the city, yeah, it's gonna be really hard for sure. Well. And I, it's interesting because like, we know that baseball has this big push to also diversify and how are you going to diversify if there's more barriers for somebody young trying to watch the game? Yeah. I feel yeah, like I'm mean, that. I mean, yeah, I think it, it's changing. But I mean, you could, you could definitely make the argument like that all teams uh, across uh, the league in one way or the other are, uh, yeah, I mean, it's about staying in the black, um, which I get. I mean, your business, you got to stay in the black. But um, there is that line as a fan where you're like, I mean, you can be in the black, but, bro, you're a billionaire. Can you, like, 
spare a little bit for the guy who's not making much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think that's an. I I haven't heard that uh, yet, but I don't think that's unreasonable to make it like the problems of accessibility to the casual or diehard fan, not just to go to a game, but to see the game. I that's not unreasonable. Yeah. Um. All right. So the last question is again. I'm not. I, this will air before the World Series, so you have time. And actually, here like right before the World Series or the playoffs start, so you have a couple weeks. But we're recording a bit ahead. So as of right now, we know the teams that are currently in line to make the playoffs. If you were going to pick your 2022 World Series champion today, who do you feel like has the edge? Who do you who would you pick? Oh, that's a tough one. Ah, I feel like it's really hard these days to bet against the Dodgers. Um, I. I'll, I'll be honest. I have not stuck with this season as much. Or they're still in contention last time I saw, correct? Or no? Dodgers, yeah. yeah. They're, they have their best record in baseball. Okay. That's kind of what I – last time I checked. But things changed so quickly because, you know, at part of the season I was watching it like the Yankees were dominant, and I know that then they were on a stretch for – they were, you know, backsliding, and people right, don't even right. know anymore. So I would say that – you, you just can't bet against them right now. I mean, they, they've been there how often the past, you know, three, four years, and they just seem to always pull something out. Um, now, whether they, you know, get to the championship and win it is another story, but I think if I had to pick one, they seem to be the front runner. It's been yeah. interesting to see, like, I, I think part of me would love to see, like, a team like the Mets do it because – the Mets have been very similar, like the Cubs have not been very good. You know, <laughs> right. I like seeing a, a story like that, but even they have uh, been struggling lately, <laughs> although our Cubs beat them and swept them. So, I mean, that alone it makes me question a lot, but, <laughs> but either way, um, no, I mean, again, being in California, being close to LA, I can't technically say LA. I'm in LA, but I'm real. I'm as close as you can be. Um, if the I mean, Dodgers fans are everywhere. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to go against the team that's been. Yeah, as you said, historically good. I think I saw a stat that said. They've won the division. I think it was like 10 of the last 11 or 11 of the last 12 years um, in the one ball. Anyway, so whether you want to consider 2020, I know some people call it a, like, a, not really a championship. I would go that far. I don't yeah. want to get attacked out here. Um <laughs> But no, I do think it's hard to go against them. And as you said, like it's a like the Cubs, like kind of again before 2016, always found a way to lose in some ways. And then the Mets, the big phrase that you hear is, "When are the Mets going to met? Like when are they going to fall apart?" 
So I would like to see for them and their fans. But also, yeah. I mean, the Guardians now had longest like World Series drought. Um, I don't see them doing it, but get root for a team that's not won it recently. If anything, Cubs fans got to root for the guys who have gone a long time. I, I agree. And that's kind of where I was going with that. Like, I think my gut says like a, a team like the Dodgers, it's hard to bet against them, but I'd like to see like the guardians or the, the Mets win it. Um, mainly because the guardians are in the same boat and we were the ones who won against this world series. And I mean, that was crazy <laughs> right. in itself, like right. going from how far behind we were to winning that thing. So, yeah, I mean, Andy, the Mariners this year are probably going to make the playoffs and, uh, they have the second longest, or no, the longest playoff drought, I believe, since 2001. They have been made playoffs. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, got to root for them, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta go with the Dodgers if you're going for a bet. You gotta yeah. go with them. Um, yeah. So, uh, that's all the questions I had. Um, by no means. Do I need you to ask a question of me? Um, so if it's all good, we can talk for a little bit afterwards. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. Did you, did you want to say anything else about baseball, being Cubs fan, anything that you, have to, you feel like you should mention? Um, trying to think what else. That, you know, we were talking earlier and there was a thought that came to, to mind and now, now it's – it's left me. Um, I guess I just, you know, in closing, I, I hope that they have the the right pieces in place, whether it be management and players to kind of move that, that needle forward again, like we did before. I think it'll be very interesting to see, you know, this will be where we can tell, like, was it Dio that truly made this happen? Um, was part of it, Hoyer behind it I you know who knows we're gonna find out soon enough um I'm hoping that it, it's the latter uh but yeah we'll find out absolutely At, as cup fans we'll find out is pretty much the motto <laughs> yes so Oh, that was what I was going to say. Earlier, you had mentioned uh, the question about Judge, and I felt like that was pretty fitting because I know that there's been discussions of, you know, isn't he supposed to be a free agent and possibly, yeah. you know, the Cubs making a splash with that? I don't think it'll happen. If the Cubs have PTSD from spending under $200 million on a, on a player I, in, his, in, his 20, in his 20s, they're not going to go after... And pay like 400 mil for a guy in his 30s. Yeah. Um, do I want to see it? Of course I want to see it. But I mean, we're talking about he's, like. He's 30. I, say, I didn't realize he's he just in his 30s. 30. Wow. Yeah, okay. so I th I th next year he'll be 31. Um, yeah. Which again, I mean, having your best year at 30 is something. It's something great, but do I want to see the Cubs do it first? Sure. I mean, there's no doubt. Go out and spend all your money, Tom Ricketts. Like, whatever <laughs> you got, I don't see it. But, yeah. I mean, Cubs tickets are expensive, as you said. Imagine <laughs> yes. them, them 
spend that much money? I mean, I don't know. So, again, I'm, I'm pro, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, that's fitting. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but again, this has been a special episode of the Family Base Podcast. My name is Jake, and here we have Fitz. Say bye, Fitz. We're going to head out. Bye, and thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And uh, we'll have a regular episode coming out in just two days on Wednesday. So watch, come back and hear, or watch this if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe, all that crap. Do that. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thank you.